Welcome to the Fuse Podcast, where we break down the complex issues of today's polarized world. I'm Jordan. And I'm Jared. And today we're going to be talking with a special guest to discuss forms of bias and othering. So our guest today is Missouri State's very own Dr. Stephen Spates. Uh, Dr. Spates, we're glad to have you here today. If you don't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, Give us a little bit about your professional background uh, and your expertise. Sure. I am an assistant professor of communication uh, in the Department of Communication here at Missouri State University. I've been here for several years and uh, all three of my degrees are in communication. The bachelor's is in communication arts with a minor in management. I worked for a bit of time afterwards in the marketing department uh, back in Michigan uh, before going back to school at Western Michigan in Kalamazoo, Michigan for the uh, master's of communication in organizational communication, and then finally, the University of Tennessee in Knoxville uh, for communication and infra- communication and information, uh, specifically in workplace relationships is what I focus on. Uh, I also partner uh, here at Missouri State with the Center for Dispute Resolution, uh, the CDR, uh, where we put on workshops on topics like bullying and also workplace discrimination and bias. Well, I remember uh, we actually got to meet you beforehand. Uh, you came to our class and did uh, some trainings with us, or you did one of your trainings uh, as a presentation for us, and that was a, a lot of fun. We enjoyed that, got a lot of good information from it. So in those trainings, you talked about the idea of othering. Could you give us a definition of othering? Yeah, so it's when you're using your processes of thinking and how you interpret and think about people, uh, there are groups where we start to separate. Uh, and you look and see how someone's different or stands out and you begin to make patterns of thought in your mind that makes people feel uh, different or you separate them and so you treat them differently or uh, uh, see them differently. So the idea of othering can be racially based, religious based, anything like that. So as an example of what othering could be, this could be anything from like saying, me saying to a friend, of course you ace that test, you're Asian, you're already smart, something like that, right? Right. And there's different ways. Uh, A lot of times in communication research, we call it microaggressions. Uh, And so there are messages that we can send where sometimes it may even the intent is good, but it actually comes off as offensive and can be interpreted as offensive. And so uh, sometimes even if we feel it's complimentary or we feel that we're uh, saying something that someone may be happy about, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it could be a message that later is interpreted uh, or at that moment is interpreted as something negative Mm -hmm. uh, or something that someone has heard far too many times uh, and feel stigmatized or feel like they are supposed to live up to this perception that people have of them. Uh, that's really just a stereotype, a, surp- a surface level of understanding. And is that something you'd say that's how people experience on like on a daily basis or they could experience it on a daily basis? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I look at microaggressions and I think about a lot of times, think of it as a paper cut. Uh, you know, it's something that is minor. Sometimes you don't even notice it, uh, but then sometimes you could uh, put your hands under hand sanitizer or wash them and then you notice that that cut is there. Uh, microaggressions are like that. And if someone can get maybe just one for a day, but think about someone that encounters different people a lot and they may come back home Home and they have six paper cuts or mm-hmm. 16 paper cuts uh, and it starts to add up and really bother them. Have you personally experienced othering in your workplace here? Yeah, there are several occasions where I can say it's happened. Um, it's happened over my life as well. And mm-hmm. so there are just moments where how I handle it or how I receive it that day uh, could differ, but it's definitely something that's real and many people experience it.
So on more of a larger scale, we see we've been seeing an increase in Asian hate crimes specifically. How do you think that othering is influencing those? Yeah, so we have these thinking processes that we're not realizing and we're just starting to put on the table to help people understand it. Uh, But we've separated ourselves in how we understand who people are versus who we are. And so there's been a lot of us versus them mentality that's bubbled over. Uh, So when you think of things like Asian hate crimes, uh, it is the extreme version of what was brewing all of this time that led up to that. Uh, And so groups are suffering or being oppressed or uh, now dying because uh, individuals are not recognizing uh, that their uh, thoughts and processing uh, of how they think about people or um, how they perceive people has been damaging. Right. Um, I would say that it's definitely becoming a more prevalent issue, um, not only on campus, but in like our society in general as well. Um, Personally speaking, um, I do come from a white family. So for example, whenever my freshman year, when I came here, I was applying to like scholarships and things like that. And my family noticed that like we have scholarships for like African-Americans, Asian-Americans, things like that. And my family just kept saying like, why aren't there any scholarships for like white students? So I didn't even know that that was like a form of othering or like the us, us versus them mentality until I started researching this kind of stuff. Yeah, there are so many different interpretations where once we're not really having as a society the conversations that we need to have. So Mm -hmm. I would say that a lot of things that are happening currently right now are just kind of the consequences of missed opportunities. Uh, We've had a lot of times where we may be socialized to think that we should not talk about these topics or that it's not polite to put it on the table. And so we're having a lot of issues now that are popping up on the table uh, and we're forced to address it. Uh, but we're not very good at it right now because we haven't talked about it enough. Yeah. Out of curiosity, um, on the topic of othering, implicit biases, do you think that has sort of an influence on othering and how people other? I do. I think that uh, just the way our society is set up, a lot of the research will show, too, that uh, our environment is and a huge influence on how we interact with people and what we're thinking even before we say something yeah. uh, or before we uh, begin to interact with another person. So it can be difficult already because we've already taken so many messages in our mind without having a chance to challenge them or really understand them. And how is that different from like discriminating them? Is there a difference? Uh, slightly a little bit different. <laughs> you know, where you see the discrimination is the act of, right? Yeah. And so now we're, we've put our thoughts and our biases into action. Mm-hmm. And so this is the, the chance now where we're seeing a group of people or an entity or an individual, now they are left out. Now they are, you know, kind of cut off or not mm-hmm. offered uh, certain scholarships. And there's processes in place that's leaving people or separating people uh, into an us versus them type of society, uh, which can be be very damaging. Right. Um, you mentioned something about in the environment having a huge impact on this. Um, do you think it's important for others to engage with people who are different from themselves or like outside of their in-group of friends? Yeah, I think that it's important to have exposure and uh, genuine interaction with individuals uh, before we get to uh, some of these controversial topics. Uh, You know, it's hard to really have in-depth conversation with individuals uh, about things like racial uh, issues or uh, racism and discrimination when 
you know, we want to start out with maybe a little bit lighter topics. You know, what are their favorite movies and TV shows? You know, what do they like to do as hobbies? Where do they like to travel? Um, Then we can move kind of deeper to that level. But it's important to really uh, start to reach out and get to know people who are different from yourself. Uh, And not in a creepy way where you go and just start (laughs) searching for people. Um, But instead, you know, place yourself in environments where you get exposure to people who are different from you, uh, where you can learn from them and grow from them. Uh, it's it will enhance your overall life experience definitely I would agree with that Um, is there a way that you would suggest for students to engage in those different kind of groups yeah I my best suggestion I would say is really to think about how you can do it naturally Uh, a lot of times we talk about doing things or improving some of the exposure that we have, but we sometimes force it. And when it's not natural, it's not sustainable. So we can't really do something over time long enough. So uh, look at the way that you do things, uh, figure out what your likes are, and mm-hmm. then start finding group different groups of people who like to do that as well. So put yourself out there, uh, be more intentional with having opportunities to meet different people, uh, but do it in a way that fits your natural life. Don't force it. It's not sustainable. So trying not to force something, like if you're not trying to force yourself to enter those in groups, what about you're trying to figure out your own biases? Yeah, there are, um, it takes a lot of introspection a little bit. So you have to stop and see, you know, what, what is it about my background? Mm -hmm. Where do I come from? Uh, What do I understand about myself where I can see where some of those things were left out? You know, uh, uh, coming from, you know, do you come from a small town? Mm -hmm. Um, Myself as an individual, I have just been in and out of these different spaces. So my life is kind of weird. I've just kind of met all different people, (laughs) Uh, you know, being born in the city, but then moving to rural life. So I get it both ways and, you know, Mm -hmm. understanding uh, going to an HBCU and then finishing in grad school with a predominantly white institution. uh, It it, it gives you kind of the idea of what it's like to be in the minority and in the majority. Uh, So, you know, I would just say, just think about um, your background. Think about the things that make you who you are, especially for those who are adults. Uh, and start thinking about what you may have missed out on, what opportunities were missed, and how you can improve in those areas. Uh, that's something I could definitely relate to, um, especially when I was younger. I grew up in Chicago, and when I got older, around like fifth grade time, um, my family, we moved to St. Louis, and the demographic was completely different growing up around predominantly black people and then going to a predominantly white school and then coming to Springfield, Missouri, which is also predominantly white, and then also a rural community, uh, I kind of got the best of both worlds and just seeing different things and kind of my own inherent biases of like what it's like to be in a rural town. Uh, I thought I was gonna be surrounded by lifted trucks and countrymen all the time. (laughs) Uh, And then here I am now, and that's not what Springfield, Missouri is. Right. I, I have something similar. I grew up in Florissant, Missouri, which is a, my neighborhood was predominantly black. And then I moved to St. Charles, Missouri, which is very, very, very white. So having those differences was very eye opening in a way, mm-hmm. especially with like high schools and things like that. Going to a predominantly white high school, it was very different than my grade school for sure. 
Yeah, I, I may have uh, both of you beat. I, I, I was born in Detroit, uh, <laughs> you know, and so uh, city life was something that was very common. Uh, but we moved when I was a kid to the extreme west side of Michigan, uh, coming from the east. And so we were on the lakeside in rural uh, Michigan and Berrien Springs. Uh, shout out to the two people who are also in Berrien Springs. Uh, you know, it was, but really it was two stoplights that was the town. And so we went from regular city life to completely rural life. Uh, and so having just that uh, completely different experience really changed and helped me understand. And moving from a predominantly black space to a predominantly white space uh, was also a change in transition as well. And so uh, definitely a lot of lessons learned, but a lot of new experience and new people along the way. Definitely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that and also the tips that you gave us. Uh, just thinking about something else too. Um, when you see somebody like witnessing or like when we witness uh, people acting out in a biased way, do you have any tips still on how to like approach that situation at all? Yeah, as an observer or a bystander, a lot of times you may re you may not realize that you're observing or watching things happen right in front of you. Uh, and so first, kind of be intentional in the room that you're in. Listen to conversations uh, without necessarily having to spy, but just pay attention to what's being said in the room. Uh, and if there is a biased message or a discriminatory act taking place, uh, use your voice. Uh, begin putting yourself in a mindset to prepare to get ready in the case that that happens. Uh, and use your power as a bystander or observer in the room to really try to uh, help that person or uh, that group of people understand what's going on and how that can be improved. Uh, a lot of times uh, it can be done and as a neutral person in the room, you have the opportunity to really make a difference uh, and de-escalate the situation. So not necessarily having to shame or blame that person when it happens, but just talk about why that was wrong and how it can be improved for next time and how you're feeling in the room, uh, even more so than how that person may feel. But give, you know, give everyone a voice and use your own. Cool. Right. I think that is very important, specifically in like the education setting as well as like the workplace setting as well. So if you don't mind, I would love to give you some scenarios that we can run through. Um, Jared mentioned something about the training that you gave to us, and we thought that those examples were very good. Um, so here's just an example. Um, before the next team meeting starts, everyone is engaging in small talk. Alicia asks Raja, a new team member, where he's from. Raja explains he just moved here from Chicago, and Alicia then says, I know, but where are you really from? So how would you suggest somebody approaches that situation? Yeah, you know, if you're in the room when that's happening as the bystander, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're observing that message taking place, you know, there are some strategies that you can use. Communication research has been uh, awesome with being able to provide uh, some strategies. So there are some ways you can try to de-escalate, right? Yeah, without necessarily having to bring shame or blame onto Alicia. Instead, try to uh, engage and talk about uh, that comment without necessarily... Um, creating more anger or right. tension in the room. So think about this. Uh, for example, you could say, hey, you know, Chicago's a really great place. Uh, you're from there. Tell me about this, about your hometown or what part of Chicago? I've been there before. Uh, you know, how's Navy Pier this time of year? Mm -hmm. Think about ways to keep it focused. Uh, that's what we call a redirect. Uh, it allows us to go back to what Raja said was uh, that he's from Chicago. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily have to continue in an investigation on whereabouts, but instead keep it back to where the answer was. Uh, and if there is uh, more to it, then Raja can speak up and say that. 
I like how you mentioned it from the bystander point of view because we're really focusing on like that bystander mentality and how how they can intervene in these situations. So um, that was really interesting. Um, Jared, do you want to go over a scenario with him? Yeah, I'll do this one. Uh, this one always gets me. Um, <laughs> Veronica never seems to get her point across in meetings. For the last 20 minutes, she has been interrupted at each attempt to speak. Paul, who's been interrupting her, says, yeah, I'm going to finish my point first. Then you can have your little say. Yeah, that's a tough <laughs> one. That's a tough one. Uh, and it's a little different, right? Because it's not as much of that paper cut as we talked about before. right? right. It's a little bit more blatant. It's a little bit more out there. Uh, and everyone in the room may be affected by, you know, such a strong and a little bit of a harsh message there. Uh, and so one of the things, if you're observing that, uh, this is really time to support and give uh, a lift up Veronica during that moment uh, because she's been shut down mm-hmm. um, blatantly in front of everyone. So think about messages uh, like, I, I know we're going in this direction, but I really want to hear from Veronica. She's been trying to say something uh, for the last 20 minutes, and I am interested in what she has to say. That gives an opportunity to open up the doors for anyone else who may want to say yes, you know, because it seems like the room is a little bit uncomfortable right. with the fact that Veronica has not had the chance to speak yet. Right. So I would think about uh, messages that would we call them I statements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can provide how you're feeling. You know, I feel uncomfortable because we've gone this long and Veronica hasn't had a chance to say anything. Uh, and so I just want to check in. Is anyone else feeling that way? You know, we can recognize that uh, the person speaking, Paul, uh, can just have a moment uh, and speak later or wait because we're a team. Mm-hmm. And we want to keep that environment where everybody feels like they can contribute. So what if you, like in the room, you weren't, comfortable enough speaking up right then and there do you have any tips for like if you wanted to approach that later after that situation absolutely this happens all the time and a lot of people leave rooms or leave moments and say you know I should have said something or why didn't I say something Uh, and we feel guilty but you don't have to let that stay on your shoulders forever you can actually use a strategy which we call a revisit Uh, this is to say you know maybe a week passes maybe two weeks a few months um, even if in the extremes, if a year or so passes, if it's still on your shoulders, mm-hmm. it's still on your heart and it's worth bringing up. So I would um, use a, a strategy, what we call the revisit to say, you know, last week, Veronica was trying to speak and I felt really uncomfortable that she didn't get that chance. Uh, and I wanted to voice that because it's bothering me. Again, using those I statements allows the individual or that observer to not take away from Veronica's point of view or voice, but to support her and open up the door for everyone else in the room to know that uh, there's a way we can do things better than before. I like that you mentioned that because I hate confrontation with my whole heart. And so it takes a lot of courage to stand up to something like that. So I think that a lot of people can relate to that as well. So by revisiting those things, I think it's important for people to kind of like implement that. Yeah, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. And a revisit also helps, too, because sometimes in that moment, uh, an individual or those who observed it or uh, witnessed it may be really angry mm-hmm. and need time to calm down or cool down. And a revisit allows us to still address the issue uh, and not necessarily have to um, um, keep it in or even let it out with a subtweet or a right. subpost <laughs> on social media that kind of boils over. So it allows us to really address the issues head on, but allowing uh, confrontation not to necessarily escalate. Right.
Is there anything in particular that you would want students to know that they can do either now or within the next few weeks to either identify their implicit biases or identify if they are othering anybody in a way? Yeah, continue educating yourself. There are a lot of great resources and great people uh, who are willing to um, help each other out, support each other uh, by learning more about these topics and doing what we can to improve. Uh, it's important to uh, realize who you are, continue uh, realizing your background, what uh, things about your identity or about your life uh, were missed that you don't understand and begin seeking out information. Uh, you know, be more intentional, too, about what you're about to say. Mm -hmm. uh, take more time. And if you mess up, uh, allow yourself the space to forgive yourself and then also seek uh, forgiveness if necessary. Uh, but don't provide a defense. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you just want to say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Not I'm sorry if I hurt <laughs> you. Uh, that if can always take things to the next level. Right. So, you know, you just always want to uh, think about what you're saying and don't be afraid to repair. Uh, you know, we, we mess up all the time. I can walk right out of this room and mess up. Uh, but it's about managing and making sure that your intent was to get things right. Mm -hmm. I like how you mentioned not trying to defend yourself in those actions, because I feel like a lot of the times as humans, we naturally want to defend ourselves for what we're speaking about. So I think it's also important to not try to get super defensive in those situations yeah and a lot of times we we naturally feel like we have to defend ourselves right. or uh if someone calls us out uh you know <laughs> a, a lot of the topic right now is cancel culture and those things are being called out yeah. uh, a lot of people don't like it so our first or our natural defense is to protect ourselves and not feel like you're being attacked uh the way that your message may have attacked that person right. originally so it's really a difficult thing in a process but sometimes step back take a moment and realize that you did mess up and always go back and fix it. Uh, even And it may not be resolved. Sometimes people are really upset and they may never forgive you for what you said or what you did, uh, but learn to uh, manage and give your space to forgive yourself and do better next time. I definitely think it's gonna resonate with a lot of people that are wanting to make a change or know that they messed up. They just don't know how to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's and it's again, it's where we're kind of behind a little bit because we haven't had these conversations publicly. So mm -hmm. a lot of people are still trying to figure out how to manage and properly go about having these conversations and what to do in the case that we do mess up. Uh, and so there's still a lot to be ironed out, um, but the effort and the work has to be done. So just keep doing the work. Most definitely. For some students uh, on Missouri State's campus, um, that are interested in changing their way of thought but just don't know how to go about it? How could they engage uh, with some of this activity differently? Yeah, I think the key to the success of doing, uh, of making progress in those areas is making it natural. Uh, a lot of times we make mistakes by forcing it uh, or having students go out and, uh, you know, kind of search for people and pick people out and say, hey, tell me about this, tell me about that. Um, that's not as helpful because it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, those are uh, efforts that we can improve by making it natural. Think about collaboration. Think about partnership. Uh, think about doing things and opening up that opportunity to not just those around you, but to those throughout the campus. So uh, if you're in certain organizations, think about how you can work with neighboring organizations on campus to sponsor an event together. Uh, or if you're putting on uh, an event or doing something 
something, think about who else could be involved uh, rather than thinking about just people coming to attend. Think about who else could work with you behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of students, if you're thinking about uh, going to events, uh, place yourself in positions and in environments with people who are not like you um, at the things that you like to do. So, you know, don't go out of your way to do it, but make it a natural part of your life's approach. And it will be something that can last longer. You'll um, make more friends. Uh, you'll build better relationships and absolutely be better for it. Does Missouri State specifically or even the Center for Dispute Resolution have any resources for students to engage with people who are different from them? There are. There are workshops that could be attended. Uh, there are educational opportunities, um, you know, things that can last from either an hour to a weekend. Uh, and so the Center for Dispute Resolution is a great place. Uh, I also recommend uh, places like the uh, Multicultural Resource Center, uh, where there are lots of opportunities and events for individuals to uh, come and learn more about what's happening on campus and also uh, learn about who's available, who are some of these people who can point you in the right direction uh, to learning about different things and meeting new people. Right. I agree with that. Um, I want to thank you for being a part of our podcast. We really appreciate your time and effort put into this. Um, is there anything else that you would want our listeners to know before we sign off? Yeah, uh, well, I want to thank you both for allowing me to be here. I really enjoy being able to uh, have this conversation. And uh, yeah, just keep going, uh, you know, do your best and continue putting yourself in the path of progress. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Thank you. Next on the Fuse podcast, we're going to be covering white supremacy. We'll be joined by Dr. Kimberly Martin, the director of the Multicultural Resource Center, and Wes Pratt, the chief diversity officer and special assistant to the president. They're going to be sharing their personal experiences and talking about how white supremacy exists in higher education. Be sure to tune in April 8th for this episode. Keep up with us on our Instagram, at Fuse Conversations, TikTok, at Fuse Podcast, and our website, FuseConversations.org, for more content about the topics we discuss. Finally, rate, review, and subscribe to the Fuse podcast wherever you listen. It really helps us out and helps people discover us.